0: Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Well, good to be with you again. Uh, This is actually my third meeting today. I spoke in London, Ontario at uh, 11 o'clock this morning. They have their midweek meeting in the morning because of driving conditions in the evening and the age of the people, so they meet in the morning. Then at 2 o'clock, I spoke in the south of Ireland uh, I didn't travel there, mind you. I just zoomed uh, to Southern Ireland, and that assembly is the one I told you about. It was mostly Ukrainians in that uh, that meeting, and then tonight in Florida. So it just seems like I've been around the world uh, today, in one way or another. Uh, when Lay was talking about the police department and the the town and what you're trying to do, it reminded me of uh, we were in an assembly in Northern Ontario uh, for 17 years in Timmins, Ontario, and uh, in that assembly there were two policemen, two prosecuting attorneys and a judge. And then there was a number of us involved in prison ministry as well. So my word to to them was, you keep doing your job uh, in the legal system and we'll do the follow-up when they're incarcerated, and so I told them in that way we could be workers together. Uh, They did their job and we did ours, and so uh, it worked. Uh, We're in 2 Timothy and in chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 8 to verse 13 uh, this evening. Verse 8 to verse 13. And just to review, uh, Paul is giving his, we might say, his last will and testament. He's at the end of life. Uh, He's within a year, perhaps, of when he is beheaded, and he's encouraging Timothy. Timothy is in Ephesus. Uh, The assembly there perhaps has been going for just over 20 years, uh, but they've had their problems and difficulties, and uh, Paul is encouraging Timothy. And uh, the lesson that we want to learn is that uh, we want to have a living legacy. Our life matters. Our life counts. We interact with people and touch people. We have a testimony, and so we want to live here for heaven. It's been said that uh, when a person is confronted with the gospel, they have a choice. They have to choose between heaven and hell. But for us as believers, there's still a choice. We can live for this world or live for that world. Live for here or live for there. And so that's what Paul is encouraging uh, Timothy, live with that world in mind. And so in chapter 1, we saw that there were people that uh, influenced Timothy. They were mentors to him, but he also saw that he had a mission You've been given a spiritual gift, and Paul's encouraging them to use that for the Lord. Then in chapter 2, we notice there's these three words. Uh, In verse 7, if we change the word consider to reflect, there's things we're to reflect on, and we thought of that last week. The things that uh, come in the first six verses are things that we should reflect on. Uh, The fact that this Christian life uh, is is serious and strenuous, but it's worth it. Uh, there is there is a reward at the end. It's satisfying at the end. Tonight we want to think of what we are to remember in verse 8. And then, Lord willing, on Sunday morning, we'll look at verse 14 to the end, things that we need to be reminded of. And so tonight uh, we'll think of the things that we need to Remember, and so Paul lists some things that uh, should be in our memory, and you know when you think of 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 life, um, I think i don 't know if it was here, but somewhere I asked how many people knew the names of their great grandparents. anybody know the names of your great grandparents? A few do, but what did they ever do in life? What did they accomplish? and so our life is uh, we influence people in our lifetime but it's it's limited isn't it and so what we do is important and it's important for eternity and so that's what paul is stressing here that goes beyond time and into eternity so verse 8 remember and uh, the word that i think has been uh, inserted even though it's not in italics but in many texts is not there so remember jesus christ of the seed of david was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, depending uh, who you were listening to, uh, somebody were preaching on this passage, the views and interpretation might be very different depending on uh, the perspective that uh, that person had. And we'll touch on some of that uh, as we go go through. But what are we to remember? We remember the person of the Lord Jesus uh, Christ. We remember uh, the Savior. So he says, remember Jesus Christ, the seed of David. And so he draws our mind and our attention to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what our faith is all about. That's what the Christian life is really all about. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so it's to be occupied uh, with with him. And that uh, makes uh, life different and life worthwhile as well. But you notice he says the seed of, of David. One of the great miracles of, of history concerns the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is the seed of David. Keep your finger in Second Timothy, but look at Jeremiah 22 for a moment. Jeremiah 22. And here at the end of this chapter, there's a curse that's given. And it's a curse on Keniah, sometimes referred to as Jeconiah in other parts of Scripture. But here in verse 24, he's referred to as Keniah. It says in chapter 22, verse 24, As I live, says the Lord, though Keniah, or Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet on my right hand, yet I would pluck you off. And he talks about him going to uh, Babylon, and then verse twenty-eight: Is this man Kaniah, a despised, broken idol, a vessel in which there's no pleasure? Why are they cast out, he and his descendants, and cast into a land which they do not know? Oh, earth, earth, earth! Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord: Write this man down as childless. A man who shall not, pro- or a man shall not prosper in his days. For none of his descendants shall prosper, sitting on the throne of David and ruling any more. In Judah An amazing uh, statement that's the end of the line Jeconiah was the last uh, king of David's line uh, Zachari- uh, Zerubbabel was in that line the book of Zerachariah, but he wasn't acknowledged as king uh, he had governorship we might say but he wasn't he wasn't a king and so Jeconiah is the last and the curse is that that's the end of the line but look at the next chapter chapter 23 verse 5 Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved, Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. So in chapter 22, the curse, that's the end of the line, no more. Chapter 23 says, oh, by the way, there is one coming who's going to sit on the throne. So if you were uh, trying to work this out, it would be what we would call a conundrum, a problem uh, with no obvious solution. How can God say the line ends here, but it's going to continue in another way? Well, as I said, Jeconiah was the last in the line of kings, but of course he did have children. They didn't sit on the throne, and uh, he is named in the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. it goes down from David, Solomon, and Jeconiah is in there. It goes all the way down to Joseph. And so if there had been a king in Israel, his name would be Joseph. Uh, He would have been the rightful king. But if he had a son, which he did, of course, none of them would be allowed to sit on the throne because of the curse on the line uh, given to Jeconiah. So the only way he could be the seed of David is that mary as well as the seed of david so in luke chapter 3 you have another genealogy only when you get to david it goes to nathan not through solomon goes through another son of david and comes down to to mary so in all of history uh, based on a chronology or calendar given in daniel chapter 9 joseph is the only person the only earthly person who could ever have been the father, the earthly father of the Lord Jesus Christ? But he couldn't have been the biological father because then Christ could never sit and reign and rule on that throne. But God's not thwarted by those things, and he had a plan. And so through Mary, uh, it was true that he is the seed of David. Through Joseph, he has the legal right to sit on the throne. But through Mary, he is the seed of David. So back to 2 Timothy 2, we can easily pass over that little phrase, Jesus Christ, the seed of David. But there are wonderful implications. And to me, that's one of the great miracles of Scripture, that God would orchestrate and arrange that in such a wonderful uh, way. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is destined to rule and reign, Ultimately, he will set up his kingdom. Uh, You read in Psalm 72, verse 8, of his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. That's, by the way, where the motto for Canada came from, Psalm 72, verse 8. Uh, One of the fathers of confederation read that in his morning devotions. When they're looking for a motto for Canada, uh, it was the dominion of Canada and it was from sea to sea. Now, we're not called a dominion anymore, but it came from a verse, but it anticipates the reign of Christ. The verse before, verse 7, talks about his reign being one of righteousness and peace. And that will characterize uh, his, his reign in that day. But the Lord Jesus, when he was on earth, if you notice back in chapter 6 of First Timothy, in verse 13, where Paul said, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Now it's interesting, we know from Isaiah 53 that he was silent. He didn't defend himself. But the Lord Jesus did say several things to Pilate. And one of the things he said in John chapter 18 is, my kingdom is not of this world, if it were, then would my servant's Fight for me, but now my kingdom is not of this world. Then he went on to say, the reason I'm in this world, I'm paraphrasing, is to bear witness of the truth. So that's why I'm here, to bear witness of the truth. So we belong to a kingdom that's not of this this world. But someday he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. We are citizens of heaven. We're seated in the heavenlies. But someday that kingdom will come on earth Uh, god gave a covenant to david called the davidic covenant and if we'd read in jeremiah 31 uh, lanny told me he'd been reading that this past week it speaks of the the certainty of the covenant if you can change uh, day and night if you can remove that then you could eliminate the covenant but in second samuel 7 god makes a covenant with david he reaffirms it time and time again such as we read in jeremiah 23 and so he will come uh, to rule and reign. But not only does he he talk about the person of Christ, he talks about what we may call the passion of Christ. Uh, we use the word passion to speak of the, the whole experience of Christ on the cross, suffering, dying, and rising uh, again. And so theologians use that word to describe that period of time in the life of, of Christ. But he, of course, was raised Uh, from the dead. And uh, we're so thankful for that. We know from 1 Corinthians 15 that if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, we would have no hope. We would be, of all people, most miserable. We wouldn't have a message to preach. If the Lord couldn't be raised from the dead, then what hope would anybody have? But it's wonderful, you know, when you go back to Psalm 16, uh, he will not leave my soul in Sheol in the grave, nor suffer, or allow or suffer his Holy One to see corruption. I mean, even back then it was predicted. It's interesting, too, in Psalm 22, Psalm 69, Psalm 102, which are messianic psalms that speak of the cross, all end with an ascended Christ, with a resurrected Christ. And so they start with the cross, but they end with a resurrected uh, Christ. And so that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, Romans 1 Four speaks of the fact that when he was raised by the Spirit, he was declared to be the Son of God with power. Now it's interesting in in Israel. There's a Garden Tomb, and nobody knows, of course, if it's the the place where Christ was was buried. But it's right next to what's called Gordon's Calvary, Calvary, right there. Uh, Interestingly enough, when you're at the end of the edge of the Garden Tomb and looking at at the place of the skull, uh, up the hill is what's called the American Colony, and that's where Horatio Spafford lived. And so he- Horatio and Mary Spafford looked down on the place of the skull. And of course, at one time, General Charles Gordon visited them, and that's where the name Gordon's Calvary came from uh, because it looked like a skull. If you look, if you Google a picture from the 1800s, you will see. Very much looks like a skull. Now it's been eroded, but when you're in that garden tomb, they have excavated to a two thousand year old level, so it's quite possible because it's so near. And uh, on the door of the the crypt, it says, "He is not here; He's risen." But then a plaque just over on the other side, from Romans chapter one verse four, declared uh, by the Spirit through the resurrection to be the Son of God with power. And so it's a wonderful moving a uh, scene uh, to be there and to see the empty tomb and to see those 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 signs and so uh, he of course ascended and uh, we can be so thankful uh, for that and so paul says we need to remember these things uh, why he came is the seed of david but remember too that he's the resurrected uh, christ and so time and time again it's wonderful too to think in his resurrection of the the victory you know in colossians chapter 2 it speaks of the fact that in his resurrection he he disarmed uh principalities power he made a show of them openly uh, paul is referring to a general coming back in victory in uh, ephesians chapter 4 uh, he ascended up on high and gave gifts to men in hebrews chapter 2 is by death he destroyed him that had the power of death as the devil and so there's great victory associated with the So he says, "Remember Jesus Christ," and we do that weekly, don't we? We come together to remember uh, Him, and that's of course central uh, to the gospel. According to my gospel, the Lord Jesus said, "I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself." Paul can say, "We preach Christ and Him crucified," and that's that's central to the gospel. That's what we want to proclaim. But he also talks about the the Word of God. The power of God's uh, word. And so Paul says, I'm in chains, but the gospel's not chained. The gospel still goes out. The word of God is not chained. If you remember back in Philippians chapter 1, Paul found great joy in the fact that though he was incarcerated, the gospel was going out. In fact, he says, there's people out there preaching in such a way to try and get me into more trouble. He said, I don't care about that. I'm just rejoicing that the gospel is is going out. So he was in chains, but the gospel uh, was going out, the power of of the gospel. And so that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing, the power of the gospel. It leads to salvation. Now, just a few thoughts on verse 10, because this is, along with uh, verses 11 to, to 13, are verses that Uh, Like I said, depending who would be preaching on these, you would get a different interpretation. You know, when it comes to the doctrines or the theology of salvation, there are two sort of extremes. There's what we call Arminianism and there's Calvinism, and both are sort of opposite to each other. In Arminianism, of course, it's salvation by faith, but... There's work and human effort involved in keeping your salvation. So practice becomes important. And so what you see, for instance, in verse 13, uh, or verse 12, if we deny him, he will deny us. They would say, well, you can lose your salvation, you deny him, he will deny you. And then on the other side, Calvinism, of course, is that God has chosen some to be saved quite apart from anything uh, Any merit any worth. It's just divine choice. God in his sovereignty has chosen uh, some to be saved and they use the acronym TULIP and uh, Unconditional election is the the U in that and that uh, If you're elect, you're going to get saved regardless. It's just going to happen now the problem with that of course is um, Why would you pray for somebody? We prayed for Jane's sister. Why would you do that? If she's elect, she's going to get saved, right? If she's not, she's not going to. So it's a it's a it becomes a big problem. I don't know if any of you have read Peter Kerr's book on predestination and election. Its subtitle is Looking for Answers, Not an Argument. Peter Kerr is a full time worker up near us in Northern Ontario, but he at one time studied under R. C. Spruel. He was a Presbyterian. A Minister, and then he uh, married and came into the assemblies he taught at Corth lakes bible College but he uh, so he was very much imbibed uh, Calvinism, taught it uh, but he'd had back surgery, and he couldn't open a book he could only listen to the scriptures on tape and he said, as he listened, he said he realized what he'd been taught wasn't there uh, Scriptures don't teach that, so I like to think of the fact that you know A is an Arminian view, uh, C is a Calvinist view, and my view would be a B, a biblical view. And <laughs> so not everybody would agree with it. But uh, on YouTube, you can find a fellow named Leighton Fellows, a Southern Baptist, who is very strongly Calvinist and has uh, changed his his view. Uh, he didn't realize that there was a, another view. He thought if you're not that you're this polar opposite you can't be anything else then he found out there's what we would call corporate election and so as you see the word election as you see it in here uh, for the sake of the elect um, we are elect because we are in christ not elect to get into christ but we are elect because we are in christ christ was elect angels there are elect angels israel was elect hasn't to do with salvation it has to do with god's purpose to do with your position and privilege in Christ. And so uh, Paul here is is talking about his his effort uh, in reaching uh, people and working for them. So he endures the things for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain salvation. And so the Calvinists would say, well, look at that. Uh, They're elect that they may obtain uh, salvation. But salvation isn't always just salvation from sin. Uh, salvation can be when we go to heaven receiving the end of our faith even the salvation of our souls Peter says Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 Christ will come a second time not to deal with sin but unto salvation taking us home to be with him but also salvation can be here and now Uh, Paul said to Timothy preach the word and in so doing you will save yourself and those who hear you well Timothy was already saved Saved from what? Saved from a wasted life. And so salvation means more than just being saved uh, from, from sin. And so uh, Paul gives great effort, he says, to those who are in Christ, who are elect. If you read the last few verses of Colossians chapter 1 and the first few verses of Colossians chapter 2, you see the effort, the energy that Paul p- pours into that local church. You see, seeks to uh, minister to them and see them grow and develop in Christ. And so he says uh, God's word uh, is at work, and it's to do with salvation, but also sanctification. It's to, to have us change our, our lives, not just to be saved, but to grow in Christ-likeness. And then that brings us to verse 11 to verse 13. This is perhaps an early hymn. Uh, It's presented almost that way in Scripture. It's certainly uh, a structure to it. You'll you'll see as you go through, there are two positive statements and there are two negative statements. And so there seems to be a parallelism uh, through this. But it speaks of the, the purpose we have in the Christian life. If we died with him, but this if is the since. Uh, Sometimes in Scripture, in the New Testament, if can mean conditional, but can also mean fulfilled condition. And so this one is a fulfilled condition, not if it's true, but since. But notice too, as we read and look at these verses, verse 11 to verse 13, the pronouns, it's we and us. So he's speaking to Christians, and that's critical. He's speaking to uh, Christians. He doesn't say those people, but he says we and us uh, through this. And so that's critical. So since we died with him, we'll also live with him. And that's a certainty, isn't it? We died with Christ. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And so when Christ died there, I died to self. Uh, galatians six fourteen I died to the world that was accomplished when Christ died on the cross. A death occurred. I died with him, and so we know too that we 're going to live with him that 's the promise, the certainty we have. We died uh, to sin to self we 're going to live uh, with him and so that 's a positive uh, statement if we endure. Now, again, uh, under Calvinism, the word tulip, the last letter, P, stands for the perseverance of the saints, perseverance. Uh, as I mentioned, that's the emphasis in Calvinism. In Arminianism, it's it's our practice. But I would say the biblical is we are preserved in Christ. But perseverance is important to go on well in the Christian life and There are a number of times in the New Testament where it talks about the need for us to persevere, to go on. Uh, Romans chapter 5, as we persevere, as we work and and face the trials and difficulties of life, we develop a proved character, but it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. We live in a, you know, society wants things done instantly, but... Christ-likeness is a process from one degree of glory uh, to another. And so, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And so he's not talking about being saved or unsaved. He's talking about our destiny, our reward. If we persevere, we will reign with him. So that's those are positive things. But what about if we deny him? He will also deny us. And again, those who... Believe you could lose your salvation would look at this and say, "Well, you know, if you deny Him, you're finished. He will deny uh, you." But the Lord Jesus said that in Mark, didn't He? he said, "If you're ashamed before me, men, ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you in heaven. Uh, if you deny me, I will deny you." And the thought is that not of disowning us, but of acknowledging us. And so, if we deny Him. Uh, we are out of fellowship with him. He can't and he won't, we might say, disown us in that sense of losing our salvation. We are preserved in Christ. But uh, if we deny him, he will deny us. And he's talking about reward. He's talking about the end of the journey. If we're faithless, but as well, but... He's, he is faithful he can't deny himself he can't go back on his word and so uh, everyone that would come to him receives eternal life there's a word in Jude verse 2 we are preserved in Christ Jesus and the word preserved means yesterday today and forever it's in a tense that's continuous in the Greek and so uh, he's faithful he can't deny himself but our life counts our life matters and how we live matters not only for now, but for eternity. And so that's the, the point that Paul uh, is making, that our life will, will be scrutinized, will be looked at. We are secure, but there is an accounting coming. And we see that, for instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the wood, hay, stubble, the gold, silver, precious stones. Those who have uh, their works are, are equated as being wood, hay, and stubble, it's all consumed. They're saved yet as by fire I Now mean, you contrast that with 2nd uh, Peter 1 11, where Peter talks about an abundant entrance into the everlasting kingdom It was sort of the two extremes our life matters and someday uh, We will have that examination. And so we want to remain Faithful to him. So those are things we need to remember We need to remember the person of the Lord Jesus Christ remember our purpose uh, in terms of the Gospel, uh, Paul could be chained, but the word is not chained it was going it was going out It's interesting too, just in that regard. countries in the world that traditionally have banned you know Christianity and the word of course now today it 's going all over the world there 's a podcast out of nazareth there 's a uh, Arab assembly in Nazareth, and the Emmaus work is associated with it uh, George and Ross K- uh, Khalil uh, operate that. They do a daily podcast, and they, they somehow estimate that 100,000 people listen in Arabic uh, to that podcast daily. And so the word goes out. Uh, Far East and Family Bible Hour, which is in St. Catharines, Ontario, in conjunction with Far East, they've given radios to the soldiers in the Ukrainian army and on the front lines that's tuned to Far East broadcasting. So they can, they can listen and they've got good feedback from that. So the word of God is not bound, it's going out. But our lives do matter, and we're living, we've got to remember we're living for eternity. Uh, we we sang um, Fanny Crosby's hymn about this world. We need to live that live that out day by day, for sure. So I trust the Lord just encourage you with, with that. Obviously, as I've studied it, I've enjoyed it, and I trust that some of that passion comes across and you enjoy it as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the fact that it speaks to what life is all about. It, uh, it lifts up the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we marvel that uh, your plan is fulfilled in him, the seed of David and raised from the dead. It speaks, too, of the... Power of your word. Uh, No matter what man tries to do, your word is not bound. And we thank you uh, for that. And it speaks to the purpose of our life. And Father, we pray that we take this to heart that we're living not just for today and not for this world, but we're living for a world to come. We're to have our treasures uh, laid up in heaven and their affections, our heart will be there also. And so, Father, help us to uh, not only hear your word, but put it into practice. Again, we commit to you these items that were listed on our prayer request. We thank you that we can bring each one of these to you with the assurance that you hear and answer prayer. Watch over us as we separate. Take us home in safety, for we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.